This is Integrating Technology, episode 43. Integrating Technology for a living. Integrating Technology for fun. Integrating Technology to help people get shit done. Welcome to Integrating Technology, formerly known as Software Defined Survival. My name is Patrick Murray. On today's episode, I speak with Steve Greenblatt. Steve is the owner of Control Concepts. Control Concepts is arguably one of the first independent programming companies in the AV industry. So Steve has been at this for quite a while. He is a big contributor to the AV community and host of the a State of Control podcast over at avnation.tv. Go check that out if you have a chance. We have a laid back conversation and just kind of let things meander and we wind up talking about a whole bunch of stuff, including why I stopped podcasting, uh, configuration versus programming, and how we may have even been configurating a lot more than we thought we were and how the tools and utilities we've been given in AV may have affected the way projects get run and how that is changing and how technology managers are inciting that kind of a change and all sorts of other stuff. I hope you enjoy today's conversation with Steve Greenblatt. But first, a few words about this episode's sponsor. Okay, hush button. Do you know what the most used function is during a video conference? It is muting the microphone. And a typical conference room may have a touch panel at one end of the table, but that doesn't do the rest of the meeting participants any good. And that's where the idea of the hush button was born. Why not give everybody at the table a way to reach out and mute their microphone and be able to see very clearly at a glance which microphones are on and which are off. It's a simple lighted switch that gets built into the table. It's designed to accept a table microphone or also known as a boundary microphone. It could also be used with ceiling microphones. And because it has an open API, it can actually be programmed to do just about anything. You could select a laptop with it, turn a system on and off, or click five times fast and call a taxi if that's what's required. So if you have an AV project coming up and you want to give each user at the table, the simplest control interface on the market. Please go to catchtechnologies.com and have a look at Hush Button. My name is Patrick Murray, and today I'm with Steve Greenblatt, who needs no introduction. Steve, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here with you. Yeah, thanks for encouraging me to start the podcast up again. That's why we're here today. Well, and uh, you and I talk fairly regularly. And one of the things that I've found is that the conversations that we have are really valuable. And I'm glad that I was able to give a little push so that we could share these with the world. And of course, it's, we, shouldn't be able, we shouldn't be only speaking to ourselves. We should be speaking with others and we should be sharing ideas, but also giving everyone a chance to be able to chime in. And, and I think that people will resonate with some of the things we've spoken about. Why don't you share a little bit about where you're at and how you've made some changes in in the things that you're doing and and what has impacted your podcasting? Yeah, it's funny you should mention that having conversations and doing it in public, because that's how 
uh, the software defined survival podcast actually started is I was having these great conversations and I thought, wow, more people should hear about these things. And then I kind of, you know, I was on a search. I was looking for answers like why are we only using a few manufacturers in AV for control when there's a whole world of software out there. And um, I kind of got the answer to that question. Um, well, enough to satisfy my curiosity. And that's kind of why the podcast petered out as far as I was concerned, because I got most of the answers that I was looking for. Um, but you're right. It, it, it's, we're all growing all the time. The industry is constantly changing and technology is always changing. So why not keep exploring different aspects of what we do every day? Well, that's a really big win. So yeah. if you look at you started this podcast and you feel like you've gotten answers, which, which is really gratifying. And I think a lot of other people would want to be able to achieve an outcome like that. So <laughs> congrats to you. But it, it, and, and I'm glad that we're able to kind of get back into the saddle, if you will, and, and see where the next step's going to take us. Because as we know, and, and, and we're both in a similar position trying to find our way and and navigate with a, with a small team. Uh, we, we always have to be thinking about what's next. It's it's not what what's going on today. It's what what what's what is three months, six months, or even a year look like? Because the ability to make change takes time. Definitely. And you mentioned having a small team, and that's really one of the conclusions that I came to, or one of the the light going on events that happen from, from having all those interviews is the AV industry, the messaging mostly comes from large manufacturers, but most of the businesses in AV, most integrators, I would venture to say are small companies. And I think it, it, it kind of, you could take it for granted, but it's a different playbook, right? So if you're, if you're a one man shop or 10 or 20 people, it's a totally different playbook than if you're a billion dollar company. So with that, like, wh what have you been doing differently to uh, keep, keep progressing and, and, and evolving? To give a little context, we're recording this, it, you know, fairly into the, the pandemic. So yeah. that's uh, what one thing, because we don't know always when people listen to our podcasts, but one of the things that I've said to others is, is that I'm glad that I've been thinking about what the future brings and, and not relying on what got me to where I was. And, and I say that we, I've been in the midst of a multi-year pivot. <laughs> and part of that is because the pivot is not a straight line. It's, it's you, know, you, you hit, maybe you hit a wall and then you pivot again, or you see a breakthrough and you go in a direction and, and maybe that direction takes you another turn. It, it, it's almost like this map and this journey that doesn't have a clear destination. Um, for us, one of the things that we're seeing is that we're, we're being able to finally be, uh, leverage the fact that we've been promoting the value of modern programming languages for so many years. Um, another thing that we're trying to do is take a look at the fact that the landscape of programming is changing and configuration is a very viable solution and and I, I'm not going to knock it but you know with that and and also with the fact that 
the, the demand for complex bespoke rooms and, and solutions uh, is, is um, re- reduced or is um, getting smaller. And we also need to look at the fact that somebody still is responsible for some of the heavy lifting. And, and what, what we've been doing is, is trying to focus on those parts. So it may be a matter of working with um, do, do, doing a complex solution that somebody comes to us with and says, hey, I, I, I've been asked to do this, but I don't know how to do it with the tools that I have, or that I, I just don't have the time to be able to put into solving this or figuring this out or, or the right people. And then the other side is, is that manufacturers' products uh, still need somebody to be able to be that connector and, and make the, the complex API easy for somebody to work with. And, and that's another area that we've been focusing on. Yeah. So you mentioned a few things I'd like to pick up on. The constant pivot is, of course, a goldmine of a discussion that we could go into. But just quickly to uh, recap what you were saying about complex projects versus configuration, I kind of have this idea that you know, your typical AV programmer was, and, you know, not to downplay it or anything, but we were doing configuration most of the time, even it was a complex configuration, but the tools that we were given the idea, they were created for the technician who was installing the project and needed to quickly create some control after, you know, in between installing the speaker and the projector. And then the wishes of the customer got a little more complex and we use the same tools in in creative ways to make more complex systems but it was still really in essence a configurator right so you're dragging and dropping signals around you weren't really working inside of a program language and then on top of that you know then later on these programming languages were kind of bolted on top and after a while it just you know gets a little a little out of hand, if you ask me, if you were to start over again, would you really do it that way? So I think that that's just an interesting part about this idea of configuration. It's like, we've been doing a lot more configuration than, than people think. It's, my it's funny, funny that put it into that perspective. Yeah, and and, and I, I bet that the vision of some of these platforms when they were created, never expected them to evolve the way they've needed to evolve. So That's it's very interesting. And, yeah. and, and I think you, you and I have talked about this a lot too, the, the whole lack of approaching projects from a software development mentality, uh, rather than looking and planning your project and, and, and laying out an architecture and, and coming up with a, a revision strategy and a maintenance mode, we, we, we tend to dive in and make it work because we're under the gun and that's what we have to do with, without much regard for what, who, who's going to have to deal with it next. Is it that the tools we were given created the way projects are done or was it the other way around? Was the market just demanding a, a quick way for the installer to get a control system up and running? And then the market evolved beyond those tools, but new tools were never adopted. Just kept using the same ones because they were good enough. Yeah, I, I have to believe that the that the the to your point, the it, the tools that were developed were developed with the target of a technician doing it. Yeah, and 
And the tech, that technician became an AV programmer because he was the one or she was the one that was most apt to work with software and, and had the most command of a laptop. And, and I, I've, I've talked about this a little bit before. And, and that, then that was the birth of the AV programmer, which isn't necessarily somebody with a software development background. Well, not only that, I, it sounds like the, the tasks that would need to be performed by a programmer were viewed in the same light as installing a projector. And it's not at all. A software sure. development, like a good developer for a semi-complex program needs peace and quiet and, and very clear goals. And not a drawing and a deadline and here you go, go, go make it happen. So, so if we want to kind of talk about that a little bit further and, and, you know, kind of step out a little bit of the, from this conversation, I think that what has also caused change in the market is the, the clients and, and technology managers are becoming a lot more knowledgeable, a lot more aware. They're taking a lot more ownership. They're doing more on their own. And, and I, I'm very much behind that. And I think that this is a great thing for our industry because what they're doing is, is they're pushing everybody to do better. And they're saying, they're, they're saying that if we can do this ourselves, then, it, then show me where you're bringing value. And yeah. um, the, 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 I think the point to make there is, is that we have to start thinking about things a little bit differently. We, we, we can't, it, good enough is not what is acceptable. And I think that the technology managers are the ones that are going to start to, to make more change in the industry, in my opinion. I and have so. already. Yeah. I, I, I'd like to see more of that. I kind of see this almost circling back. If you look at the traje trajectory of AV, the business over over 30 years or so you know it, it, manufacturers used to make just one thing they made switchers or they made control or they did this or that so the integrator pieced these things together and always with the focus on what does my customer actually need and as manufacturers grew and kept adding more and more SKUs to their product lines i i think that might have changed a little bit because the pressure as a dealer starts to become just sell more of our stuff and our stuff is everything. And I just wonder if that kind of changed the way systems were designed, that kind of sales pressure to just sell as much as you can. And, and could it have taken the focus away from, well, what is the result? What should the system actually be performing? And of course I'm generalizing and it's totally unfair, but it's just kind of a feeling of how this idea of, if a manufacturer is going to provide every kind of solution available, instead of focusing on a particular product uh, type, you know, what does that actually do to the design of the systems? What kind of pressure does that put on, on engineers to get things into systems that, you know, may or may not actually be needed by the end user. I just think it takes the focus could take sales pressure could take the focus away from what the user actually needs. So that's why I, I see it coming back full circle. If these managers are, are putting pressure on, you know, saying, where's the value? Why do I need this thing? Uh, then, then that focus will go back on building systems that actually do improve people's lives every day. I, I think that that is 
100% going to happen. It's and and it, and it is happening because they, the the I, I think that the designs are coming from within now, and and yeah. the the needs are being defined a lot better. And the, the it's it's not a push, let's say from the from the from the AV service provider side to the client. It's more of a balance or even a pull from the technology manager side that says this is what i this is what i need from you this is what what our organization needs so circling back to something you said before if if that kind of drive is coming from the people who are actually paying for this stuff is there an opportunity for um for programmers to help them get there and to help them get there in a different way so we talked about the tools um, making it seem like programming is just like installing a projector, which it's not. And, you know, the, this idea of architecting a system and all the software development tools that are available out there um, in, in, the, in the real world, right? In the, in the bigger software development compu- uh, community, using repositories, using management boards, uh, opening issues, assigning tasks, time tracking. I mean, all these tools are out there and being used and we still kind of, you know, use a Dropbox to exchange files at time for a project. And um, is there an opportunity, do you think, for a software consultant in AV? That, that's the role, the name I would give this role is, you know, a software consultant. I, I, I definitely believe that there's, that there's a need for it. And I, and I think that if we put a title on it, it's going to be intimidating. But okay. I think if we make it into something that just becomes natural, where we just change the focus of what a programmer or a programming company or a or or uh, anyone who is touching software, what 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 they do, I think it will naturally migrate in that direction if it hasn't already. Yeah. Because I think that. One of the things that everybody has, and going back to kind of the whole small business side, and even in large organizations, if if you think about it, AV is still kind of a small business within a big organization, right? Um, I think you 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 only as good as the knowledge of your team and that you have, and if you're not looking outside to say how can I do things better or or what what do you do that I should know about? I mm. think that, that they're missing the boat. So I, I think that's naturally going to happen. And, and I know that, that certain technology managers migrate to communities for things like that, but I think it needs to be a diverse community because if we're only hearing from ourselves, then are we really growing enough? Absolutely. It's just like a project without that feedback from the people who actually use the system you're just shooting in the dark. Uh, but I like the way you said um, the change should be natural and it doesn't need a new moniker or anything. And it made me think of, uh, you know, doing projects now, I'll often invite a technician to like a GitLab repository and we'll open issues there. So if something happens on site, I just say, open up an issue and we could document it and exchange things that way. And it's like, they're like, why don't we do this all the time? Right. It's like lights going off because everybody hates like going through your emails and trying to figure out who said what and when and what am I supposed to do? What what tasks are open on this job? 
And there, there are tools for these things that are, you know, they, they work and they're effective and all we have to do is start using them. So uh, with that said, I think one of the things that uh, a programmer and, and technical people have again, working against them is, is that they tend to be introverted. They tend to be mm. quiet. They tend to not want the attention. It's, it's, you know, their makeup and that's what makes them great at what they do. But the ability to share and the ability to get more eyes on what you're doing and, and create visibility for this is the way things should be or, or consider this as being some, some way of doing it, it yeah. is, I, I think, is stunted. You know, we, we, there's so many great things that I tell this to my team all the time, so many great things that we're doing, but if we're not telling people about them, then I think that we're missing the potential. Absolutely. In, in the startup community, there's this idea of developing in public. So if, if you're learning a new language, you're supposed to write a blog post about your experience doing that, whatever it is, you wrote a function that does this thing that was helpful, write a blog post and post the code about it. And I'm wondering, you're talking about that kind of an effort being um, stunted in our industry. I'm going to go back to our tools because I can't post code uh, for any of our systems on the internet and somebody and somebody could just run it on their laptop. That's not really how AV systems work because they're all proprietary and need special hardware and, and you need yeah special permissions to actually open it. So there's all these things in the way of us being more open. I'd really love to see more effort that way. Uh, more, yeah, more efforts where people are sharing more because open source and AV is really just, it, it, it doesn't happen as far as I can see. I would agree with that. And, and I think part of it is the, the protective nature. We're still having the arguments about who owns the code, right? <laughs> you know, this is something that, that was, you know, we, we discussed 20 plus years ago, let's say, but and we're, it still keeps coming up from time and again. And, and I, I laugh only because I think we have bigger fish to fry. And, I, and while I respect the fact that there's certain things that you need to protect is intellectual property, uh, most of what what we do is is not so unique and and it and needs to be owned by somebody who's going to be the future caretaker of it. Yeah, and, and we we we're very short sighted in thinking that something is done when it's delivered. That's crazy. <laughs> First of all, yeah, two points there. Nobody's going to put you out of business because they have your volume module, right? <laughs> it's like. Be, let's be helpful and support each other. And I, it's almost like a karma thing. And this goes back to the small business playbook. Having that kind of karma out there because you shared a bit of code is going to come back and it can only come back in good ways. You know, it, it, the opposite of that is if you're going head to head to get it a project and you're going head to head against your competition, even then, if you have the same modules, that's not what's going to get you the contract awarded or not. That's just not how our business works. It's, it's going to be based on price and reputation and things like that. So I think we can be definitely be more, um, more open and sharing with the code that we have. And I will clarify that there are times where something should be, let's call locked down on some, on some level, only for version management. And only for the fact that you know what you're troubleshooting, uh, but 
but I'm not, but, but those keys should be stored somewhere so that somebody can open them and, and it, it shouldn't be kept from, from, from anyone, you know, qualified people who are going to be making those revisions. Yeah. That was the second point I wanted to touch on is, you know, when you hand over a project, people need to be able to maintain that project and make changes. And like you said, if we deliver version one, well, what happens for the rest of the lifetime of that system? And that's really one of my pet peeves in AV is we make this big rush to deliver version 0.1. And then we run off to the next job as if that's it. And people need to live with these things day in and day out that the installation and commissioning phase is just a small percentage of the lifetime of a system. And, you know, having the source code is just one part of, of managing a system long-term. I'll again say that technology managers will very much speak to that. Yeah. And, and I think that they're, they're a lot more curious too and as to what we can have and, and what, what else is out there and what, why aren't we doing things a certain way? And, and when they say things like that, people listen <laughs> probably a little bit more than when we say it. Absolutely. Um, I, you know, so I, I just, I, I think that that's a great starting point for us to, to be able to build a little bit of momentum and, and, and open people's eyes to the fact that there are different ways of doing things, which is a lot of, I think, the common theme here and where, where, where you and I have both been headed over the years mm-hmm. as to we, we, there's more to what we do than what we've been doing oh, than, for than, sure. than what people, than, the, than, the, than most people know. Yeah. And I'd imagine there's a lot more room for creativity than we've been led to believe. And it's for the same reason, right? The biggest voices in the industry are these huge companies and their vision of what, let's say, a management system should look like. Is that really what the tech manager needs? And, you know, when, especially when you talk about management solutions, well, what should it do? And people just, I've seen it in specs before, it, there'll be a management system included. Okay, what should it do? Um, what do you expect from this? And there, the, the, it's wide open what, what we can do. And I'd really love to see, and we're seeing some management solutions come out there that really that's all these companies do is um, make management solutions. And I think that's great because there is no fixed, uh, it's not power on or power off. It's integrating with your workflow, right? And every organization's workflow is going to be different. So there's lots of room to, to implement things that actually help them every day. We're very well said. (laughs) And, and, and I think that, that we're, we're open for change in, in these areas and, 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 and the AV has to be able to, to demonstrate its value to an organization, not just because somebody says we have to put in this room or this system because it's cool. The, those, those days have passed. Yeah, of course, we have to demonstrate value. All right, one of my goals for the podcast is to keep it short. <laughs> so uh, no more hour and a half marathons. So um, we're coming up on the half hour mark. Anything else you'd like to wrap up with? What are you up to? I, I, uh, I applaud you for, for having, you know, for, for doing this again. And I, I'm, I'm very much behind it. And I would, you know, I, I think that these are important conversations to have and, and somehow we have to find a mechanism for doing it. And, 
And I, I know that there are many podcasts out there uh, that, that talk about different parts of the industry or even just are, can be more social, but, it, but I think that this one is, is just really important. And I hope that it continues because the, the, there are a lot of voices out there that will, will, will want to be heard and a lot of people that will connect with these conversations. Very cool. Coming from a man who has his own AV programming uh, podcast, um, I'm pretty honored. So thanks, thanks a lot for that, Steve. If anyone sure. wants to get in touch with you, how would they, how would they go about doing that? Uh, well, my company is Control Concepts. We can be found at controlconcepts.net. I'm on social media at Steve Greenblatt. And as you said, I, I do a podcast with AV Nation called The State of Control, where we talk about programming, control, and automation, and uh, work with Rich Fergozen. We try to have uh, very, very evergreen topics that can be re relatable for, for a lot of programmers and integrators and Great. technology managers. Very cool. Check out his podcast and um, tune in again. We'll be having more of these conversations and uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Integrating Technology. If you have a moment, please consider going to iTunes and leaving a rating and review. It really does help other AV professionals find us in the podcast world. Thanks. HTML5. The web browser is finally getting some attention in the AV systems integration market. And I say finally because I believe that the web browser is the most underutilized, undervalued, underappreciated technology of the past few decades. When you think of a browser, you think of going to websites. But actually, the web browser is a platform to run all different kinds of programs, including AV control and you don't need an internet connection. I'm in the middle of putting together some material to explain exactly how an AV user interface with HTML5 would work and to clear up some misconceptions about how to do it. And it's not easy. Learning a new programming language always has a learning curve, but using HTML5 in AV projects, there's a reason why we haven't been doing it all along. It's hard to do. But if you're up for a challenge or if you're just curious about how it works so you could speak more intelligently about it, go to learnavprogramming.com slash HTML5 and get yourself informed.